Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. is airing on Tuesday, May 3rd, 2022. Hello everyone, it's Shannon and I'm back with you to, as you probably guessed, share an author interview and chat about some of this week's new releases. Now this particular interview was a super big deal here at Book Bistro because Natalia and I were lucky enough to have the opportunity to talk with paranormal romance, urban fantasy, epic fantasy author Jennifer Estep. And we chatted with her about her upcoming novel, which is actually out at the time that you're hearing this interview, Tear Down the Throne, which is the second installment in her Gargoyle Queen series. So I hope that you love this interview as much as we did. It was a huge honor um, and definitely one of the high points of our time here at Book Bistro. So we're going to start with the housekeeping information, dive straight into the interview, and then I'll be back to talk with you about some new releases. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Book Bistro podcast. This is Shannon, and I have Natalia here with me this morning as well. And it is a momentous day here at Book Bistro because we are here with author Jennifer Estep, who is talking about her latest novel, Tear Down the Throne, which is scheduled for release here in the U.S. on May 3rd. Jennifer, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You are very welcome. Can we start with a brief introduction to either Tear Down the Throne or you can like talk about the series as a whole if you're trying to avoid spoilers? Okay, so Tear Down the Throne is book two in my Gargoyle Queen adult epic fantasy series. And the first book is called Capture the Crown. And... Basically, the series is about Gemma Ripley. She is a princess who secretly moonlights as a spy, and she is trying to get to the bottom of a uh, dangerous plot against her kingdom. Awesome. So I have read your um, Crown of Shards series, but I have not yet delved into um, Gargoyle Queen. But I will be doing so very soon well uh so interesting no go ahead 
I was just going to say that um, for people who don't know, Gargoyle Queen is actually a spinoff series from the Crown of Shards series. So it's set in the same epic fantasy world as, you know, Kill the Queen and the other books in the original Crown of Shards series. Yes, I remember seeing that. Um, and Gemma is actually a, a character from the Crown of Shards. She is. We first meet Gemma in Kill the Queen, the book, the first book in the Crown of Shards series. And she's about 12 years old in that book. And um, the new series, the Gargoyle Queen series, takes place about 15 years later. So she's almost 30 and, you know, an adult and grown up, but still really kind of dealing with a lot of trauma from the things that happened in the original trilogy. So how important is it, do you think, for readers to be familiar with Crown of Shards before they move into um, Gargoyle Queen? I don't think people necessarily have to read the Crown of Shards trilogy because I do mention a lot of the backstory in Capture the Crown. So readers will know, you know, what happened to Gemma, especially, and some of the other things um, that have been going on in the world building. But, you know, if you're like a a completist like I am, then, you know, I always like to start at the very beginning and and read in order. But you don't necessarily have to. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I do think sometimes people get a little intimidated, you know, um, if you have to if you find a series late and then you have to read, you know, two or three or five or ten or however many books it is to catch up. So that's one of the reasons that, you know, I did the spinoff trilogy so people can enter the world. And not necessarily have to play catch up with the with the original trilogy, although you can read them if you want to. <laughs> and you right. should because they're they're amazing. They are. You know, I'm a completist too. I have to read everything in order uh, all the time, and it's actually become in the podcast kind of like a, a laughing joke, especially when somebody recommends a book that's in a series that's not the first one. Uh, <laughs> uh, so. That being said, when you were writing Crown of Shards, that series, did you always know you were going to tell Gemma's story or was that something that you came up with later? And what made you decide to tell Gemma's story? Okay, well, spoiler alert for Kill the Queen, um, the first book in the Crown of Shards series. So there's a royal massacre that Gemma witnesses as a child. Um, And as I was writing the Crown of Shards series, um, you know, Gemma is also in book two, Protect the Prince. And I thought, you know, it would be really interesting to go back and see Gemma as an adult and like how these events that she is witnessing as a kid, you know, really shape her as an adult. Uh, So it kind of was in the back of my mind as I was writing the first two books in the Crown of Shards series, you know, that Gemma would be an interesting character to follow in another book series. Right. And and was that before, so that was while you were writing uh, the second book, Protect the Prince? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. That's, you know, that's really, really interesting because I remember while I was reading it, um, the first book, when we witnessed the massacre, I remember reading it and thinking like, huh, I wonder if we'll hear anything from any of the other characters here. Yeah, like and I was that experienced that. Yeah, because in the Crown of Shards trilogy, you know, you get Evie's point of view through the whole series, and I thought it's always interesting for me um, with my other series, like my Elemental Assassin series. I enjoy writing novellas and little short stories from the secondary characters' points of view, right. and, you know, getting their take on different. 
things and situations that happen. And I thought that would be really interesting to have this such a momentous event um, in Evie's life and kill the queen and then show it from like a completely different perspective with somebody like Gemma, who, you know, wasn't really the hero that day. She was just kind of there and she managed to survive. And um, she has a lot of, you know, survivor's guilt over that. Right. And one of the few that managed to survive mm-hmm. uh, that, that we hear from. Well, shifting gears just a bit uh, from the series to talk about your writing in general. What draws you to urban fantasy and the paranormal genre? You know, I've always loved um, anything with any kind of fantasy or magic or action or adventure in it. Like I used to love the old Wonder Woman show with Linda Carter. Um, I loved the A-Team is probably one of my all-time favorite shows. I just like Mm. stories that have a little bit of everything in them. You know, the action, the magic, the adventure, the danger. Um, And with urban fantasy and epic fantasy, you know, that's like the perfect genre for me because I can blend all of the elements that I love into one story. Yes. Yes. That is a thing that urban fantasy does so well. It's very true. Very true. I do have a question, Shannon, if you don't mind me asking yeah, her fine. that, um, you know, food is such a huge part of your novels. Yes. In every, in every <laughs> book that you have written, and I have read them all, actually, uh, your food is such a big staple. I mean, you make me so hungry. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm wondering what has food meant for you in your life and what has caused you to make it such an important staple in your novels? You know, it's kind of interesting. Um, back when I first started writing and was trying to get published, I wrote a cozy murder mystery. And um, one of the heroine's friends ran a barbecue restaurant. Mm, like the and pork pit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I, I think I even actually called it the pork pit in the in the cozy murder mystery. Um, <laughs> and somebody read that and they just they made this casual comment about you know, you talk about food really well. And I was like, I do talk about food really well. Let's do some more of that. Um, (laughs) So, you know, that's kind of one of the reasons I started putting it in all of my books. And now it's kind of one of my trademarks and the things, one of the things that I'm known for. Um, And I do, I, I just, I like describing food and talking about it and, you know, making people hungry. Um, And (laughs) then it's working. (laughs) you know in my personal life you know I remember my mom you know cooking breakfast on Saturday mornings and then we would go to the library and you know we would have family meals for Thanksgiving and Christmas and um, like there's this lime jello salad that she makes for Thanksgiving and to me you know nothing says Thanksgiving like this one particular dish and I think we all have things like that to some degree you know favorite meals or a food that brings back a memory or something like that. And for me, writing about food in my books, you know, is kind of one way to hopefully conjure up some of those good memories. And then also in a lot of my series, you know, the food is an expression for of love and care and concern because you're taking the time to make a meal for somebody else. Right. So it's a, it's a right. feel good thing for you. It is. And, you know, I just I like to eat. <laughs> <laughs> Me, too. I, I know Gwen Fra. I think Gwen even goes to the pork pit. Yeah, and that's uh, it's kind of become a fun little 
I like to do little Easter eggs in my various series. So, like, in my Mythos Academy series, you know, some of the kids have gone to the pork pit to eat. And then. Right. I want to go. Yeah. (laughs) So, I I enjoy, like, crossing the series a little bit like that. So, you have written a number of series throughout the course of your career. Is there one that kind of stands out for you as, like, being extra special or being a favorite or kind of, like, the most notable, like, as you wrote it? Um, I would say that there are different things about all of them that are special to me. Like, my first published book was Karma Girl. Um, That's the first book in my big-time superhero series. And, you know, that was my very first published book. And I remember standing in my kitchen and holding the finished copy of the print book. And, you know, just it was like this really great moment where, you know, you like you have achieved this dream um, (laughs) of being a writer. Yeah. So that was that one has been really special to me. Um, You know, my Elemental Assassin series is really special, too, because, you know, I'm that's my favorite. That's my favorite, too. I was just going to (laughs) say, well, you know, I when I first started writing it. I got like a three book contract, but you know, here we are like 12 years later and I'm 19 books into the series. And, you know, you just, I never thought it would go on that long and that people would like, you know, Jen Blanco so much, but they really do. And then my crown, my crown of shards series is also kind of special to me because um, the very first book that I wrote back in college was a very, very bad epic fantasy book. I mean, it was, Ah. It was so bad and so cheesy, and it will never see the light of day. Um, but I'm I tried sure to. Some of us would love to read it. Oh, it's, <laughs> it's so it's like has every epic fantasy cliche in it that you could think of. Uh, <laughs> but that one is special to me because I tried to write epic fantasy for years, for years, and I could just never get it right. And then finally, um, I came up with the idea for Kill the Queen and like the world building just worked and everything kind of fell together in this perfect harmony. So that one, that one was like the achievement of a, of a childhood dream too, because, you know, I, I started out reading epic fantasy back in high school and, you know, I'm finally writing my own epic fantasy books. So. Did you find anything like particularly different about like once you actually had your plot for kill the queen was there anything that was really different for you about writing sort of epic fantasy versus like just urban fantasy not that urban fantasy is less than but with urban fantasy you're staying within a world that's already established largely one of the things about writing epic fantasy that really like I struggled with at first is you have to name every single little thing in an epic fantasy book the towns and the rivers and the mountains and the animals and the magic and on and on and on. Whereas in an urban fantasy, you can just say, oh, you know, it's set near Cincinnati or New York City or, you know, the things that people are already known for and are familiar with. But with epic fantasy, you really are building this whole entire world from the ground up. So I got I got so tired of trying to come up with names for everything. <laughs> I guess I never really thought of that in in that like in those terms that like everything needs a name of its own that you have nothing to kind of fall back and rely on. Yeah, and I, I'm not talking about like you know things that everybody has like pots and pans and dishes. Well, and, no, no. But just you know like all the proper names um, for you know the towns and the cities and the kingdoms and just various things like that. So I kind of cheated a little bit um, 
since the crown of shards world is this um, gladiator world, I used a lot of names from Roman mythology and kind of once I hit, yeah, once I hit on that idea that that helped me out quite a bit. (laughs) (laughs) And it never occurred to me that that would have been a challenge that I learned something new. That was a challenge. And then also kind of drawing the world map at the very beginning and trying to figure out where all the kingdoms were and how they interact. And I'm very, very bad at drawing. I mean, stick figures are a challenge for me. Oh, Uh, me too. (laughs) So, yeah, I, I have these sad little maps that I drew on scrap paper, just trying to like put all the kingdoms together and, and things like that. So well, can you t- oh sorry go ahead can you tell us anything about what is coming next for you are you planning to like hang out in this world for a while or once this series is done do you have something new up your sleeve i am always working on multiple projects and series um after I'm getting ready to do, you know, all the release stuff for Tear Down the Throne, and I'm really excited for people to, to finally read the book and see what everybody thinks about it. Um, I'm also getting ready to start doing revisions on Conquer the Kingdom, which is book three in the series. That one will be out next March. Um, and in the Wonderful. meantime, I am going to continue my Section 47 spy series. I'm going to do <laughs> I'm going to do a a holiday book in that series. I'm hoping to uh, self-publish that later this year. And then I also have written a science fiction romance that I'm really excited about. And I'm also hoping to self-publish that later this year. That's awesome. So you're kind of a mix then of um, indie, like of self-publishing and traditional publishing then. I do. I do pretty much an even split between um, the traditional publishing, like with Tear Down the Throne, and then the indie publishing. Like I've indie published the last couple of books in my Elemental Assassin series um, and done some other things. And I do hope to stay in the Crown of Shards world. I would there's a character. I don't want to give away spoilers, but there's a character um, in the Gargoyle Queen series. And I would love to do a spinoff trilogy about them. So I'm hoping that that will happen. But it just kind of, you know. Depends on sales and the publishing world and everything that goes into that. That makes sense. Well, whatever it is, I we definitely look forward to reading about all of these characters. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I can't believe you read all the assassin books. <laughs> yes, I started them oh, when I was so in college uh, when you only had four of them out. And oh, um, it was was the week of finals so I was reading them while going through final exams and I had to like stop to do my projects it was awful (laughs) (laughs) terrible (laughs) I know but uh it it was it was great I remember going to a restaurant by myself just so like no one would bother me so I could read uh the third one (laughs) oh that's really cool yes and speaking of reading I am very curious to know about your reading life. Now that we asked you some stuff about writing, is there anything that you've been reading that you think that the world really needs to try that you're dying to share with us? That's been just epic, epic stuff Uh, to read. You know, it's interesting. Like for a long time, I thought, Oh, I don't like science fiction books. I I don't want to read any of those, but then, um, but I've always loved like the star Wars movies and the star Trek reboots and all that stuff. So I thought I'm going to give science fiction another chance. 
Uh, and I have gotten like totally hooked on sci-fi books over the past year or two years. People like uh, Jesse Mahalik. Um, I hope I'm saying her name right. And then earlier this year, I found the Murderbot series by Martha Wells. And I, those are oh. so great. I just, I feel like Murderbot is like my spirit animal because I just want to, <laughs> no, I just want people to leave me alone so I can read books and watch TV and, you know, consume my media. I'm laughing because our colleague, who's also on the podcast, Mika, is crazy yes. about the Murderbot. And I feel like. <laughs> He said something very similar when she was recommending these books to us, something about how she really related to the murder bot. Uh, so that's why I thought it was really funny. I'm sure she'll be very pleased to know that you enjoy the same book. They really are really good. They're, I mean, it's first person. So, and the, the murder bot voice is just so like snarky and funny. And, you know, it's, I really, really have enjoyed those. That's awesome. You- I need to start those. <laughs> Have you ever read um, Michelle Diener's Class 5 uh, sci-fi romance? I have not, but actually I know Michelle, um, and it's, it is on my TBR pile. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And then um, uh, what is the, the woman who, who wrote the sci-fi romance? Oh, what is her name? I'm drawing a blank right now. The, several people have recommended him to me. Um, and I'm sure I'll remember it. As no. Maybe Grace Draven, like with Radiance. Oh. No, I know, I know Grace, too. Not her. You know a lot of cool people. I know. I do, I, I do know a lot of authors. That's one of the one of the perks of being an author yourself. Uh, I'm completely blanking on this person's name. I feel bad now. Okay. Well, if you remember, I, let us know. Yes, so you. I could. Can I Google it? Can I Google? Sure, you can. Of course, sure. This is your party. <laughs> Let's see if I can find something here. We are fans of Google here. We are, except for when it when we're recording and it decides that we talked to it. Oh yes, and then it like <laughs> chimes in and says, you know, some random bit of information that no one that has nothing for. to do, and it won't stop talking. And then no, it'll just we be have like, to pull the plug. Chatting. Well, speaking of Grace Draven, when I type in sci-fi romance, she pops up. Ah, yes. She she should. I'm not. I love her sci-fi. I love her um, more kind of like just fantasy romances. Um, she's just amazing. Linnea Sinclair is who I was trying to think about. Oh yes. Oh wow. Yes, like Gabriel's ghost. Yeah, and several several people have recommended her books to me, so I'm I'm looking forward to checking them out. And an accidental goddess. Oh yes. I'm kind of picky about my sci-fi. Like I I like certain things, but then if it's like really in depth sci-fi, like really like convoluted, I have a lot of trouble. Um, like Anna. Like Gure the Hitchhiker's Guide done, to the Galaxy. Yeah, like that. But like you know. Um, what do you call that? The the Saranta Jacks books by Anna Geary. Like I love I Anna really Geary. liked. Um, I'm just I don't know. Sci-fi is is kind of a a strange little niche for me. Yeah, I think with any kind of 
genre, you know, you can get so deep down in your world building that it's hard to follow. Like, um, I almost call it like a Tom Clancy kind of effect because uh, with like, he gets so technical with like the weaponry and, and everything in oh. his books, you know. Um, but yeah, I agree. Like in the sci-fi books, it's like, well, especially the one that I've written is not that technical. I'm kind of like, yeah. And we have like spaceships and travel, but there's magic too. And I'm not getting too technical and trying to explain <laughs> it all. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. It is. Well, I want to thank you so much for taking time out of your schedule. Um, you know, I know that you're probably pretty deep in like pre-release stuff. So I really appreciate you taking time um, to chat with us today and let listeners know a little bit about you and your work. Um, before you dash off, can you let us know the best place to find you online? You can find me, um, my website is jenniferestep.com. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, Jennifer Estep Author. Uh, and then I'm also on Twitter and Instagram. And then you can also follow me on places like Amazon, BookBub, and Goodreads to get, you know, deal alerts and things like that about my books. Awesome. So, again, this has been a discussion with author Jennifer Estep about her upcoming novel, Tear Down the Throne, which is the second book in the, in the Gargoyle Queen series. Okay, so it's time to talk about new releases. The first Tuesday of the month has lots of great stuff for you. So I'm sure, or almost sure, sure as I can be, that you will find some marvelous stuff to read this week. As always, I'm going to start with a few things you've heard us talk about before, um, most notably on our most anticipated releases of May episode. So the first book I'm going to mention has one of the best titles I've heard in a long time, and this is a book that Georgina was excited about. This is Improbable Magic for Cynical Witches by Kate Skelsa. Then... I am super excited for my uh, most anticipated May release, which is The Bookwoman's Daughter, the sequel to The Bookwoman of Troublesome Creek by Kim Michelle Richardson. Stacy mentioned the next book on our list. This is Book Lovers by Emily Henry. I'm also very excited for this, as are Kristen and Sarah. So now we are going to move on to some books that you haven't heard us mention before. I'm going to start with some romance. We have By the Book by Jasmine Guillory. This is the second book in her Meant to Be series. And it kind of fit nicely with book lovers because it's about someone who works in publishing and she has to go and give one of her authors a pep talk in order to save both of their careers. Now, if you know anything about Guillory's writing, you know that this turns hmm, sensual pretty quickly. So this is by the book, meant to be book two by Jasmine Guillory. We also have Chef's Kiss by T.J. Alexander. This is on my hold list at the public library. It looks like so much fun. It's about a pastry chef 
who experiences some sparks with her non-binary kitchen manager. Um, I really love foodie romances. You've heard us talk about food books here on the podcast before, and they are super popular. Um, And pastry? Yeah, yeah, delicious. This is Chef's Kiss by TJ Alexander. Then we have Blame It on the Brontes. This is by Annie Serino, and it's about an English professor who decides to take matters into her own hands, and she's going to write her own happy ending. But will it be with the man who once broke her heart, the man that she always thought of as the Heathcliff to her Catherine? This is Blame It on the Brontes, and it's by Annie Serino. Nalini Singh has a new book out this week. This is Kiss Hard, and it's Hard Play, book four. It's a sports romance um, featuring two sworn enemies. And Nalini Singh is someone we talk about quite a bit here. Um, Mostly, though, we talk about her paranormal romances and her urban fantasy. I think we've highlighted one or two for thrillers as well. But before she wrote any of that, she was writing contemporary romance. And I'm glad to know that she still does that. Um, The audio for this, unfortunately, will not be available until May 31st. Um, But still, pay attention to it. This is Kiss Hard, and it's Hard Play, book four, by Nalini Singh. And if you're looking for like a young adult romance, then you might want to pay attention to Confessions of an Alleged Good Girl. This is by Joya Goffney. Um, Brooke really enjoyed her debut, which is Excuse Me While I Ugly Cry. Um, And this is her second book. It's about a young woman who is pretty devastated when her boyfriend breaks up with her. She decides, though, that she's going to win him back and the way she decides to do this is she thinks that she needs to fix her imperfect body and this has something to do with a medical condition that she has that the synopsis um, doesn't reveal but i'm hoping for a body positive reading experience Um, i've heard nothing but good things about this author's debut so i'm very very hopeful this is confessions of an alleged good girl by joya goffney We also have some romantic suspense slash historical romantic suspense. This is When She Dreams. It's Burning Cove, California, book six by Amanda Quick. Amanda Quick, of course, is like one of the legends in in romance. Um, She writes under a number of names, but Amanda Quick is the name that she uses for her historicals. This takes place in early Hollywood. Um, I have the first book in this series sitting on my iPad. It's been such a long time since I've read an Amanda Quick, but I don't know. There's just a soft spot in my heart for her because she's someone that I, I grew up reading. So this is When She Dreams, Burning Cove, California, book six by Amanda Quick. And that was a nice little transition here uh, from romance to romantic suspense. Now we're going to move to mystery and thrillers. And I want to talk about One of Us by Kylie Caden. This is another one of those books 
that features like a close knit neighborhood. You know, everybody thinks this is a perfect place to live. But then there's this violence that rips through the neighborhood. And because there are so many cameras, the police are expecting to like make this, you know, an open and shut case, but it's not. And so now we, as the reader, are trying to figure out who in the neighborhood is responsible for whatever happened. This is One of Us, and it's by Kylie Caden. Jane Schimmel has a new book out. This is The Patient, and it is about a therapist who falls in love with one of her patients, and the results are pretty disastrous. It is The Patient by Jane Schimmel. Now, we have a little bit of a trend here with psychiatrists, psychologists, patients. Um, my next book to highlight is The Darkness and the Light by Daniel Kala, and this is about a psychiatrist whose patients are dying under mysterious circumstances. And so the question is, are these people committing suicides because of a new antidepressant that they're on, or is something else going on? Um, reading these books might make you a little reluctant to uh, seek out mental health treatment, but you know, hopefully um, in real life, it's not like in the books. So this is The Darkness in the Light, and it's by Daniel Kala. We also have The Night They Vanished. This is by Vanessa Savage, and this caught my attention um, because of something in the blurb that says that this is a thriller that treats readers like they're smart. And I'm always happy when books acknowledge that there are a lot of smart readers out there. So this is the story of a family who is keeping a lot of secrets because who in books isn't keeping secrets and a past that is catching up with them. This is The Night They Vanished and it's by Vanessa Savage. Some young adult thrillers for you. We have Girl Overboard. This is by Sandra Block. And it's about a teenage girl who is investigating her best friend's disappearance while they are on a cruise. And I'm not sure if she disappeared on the cruise, which would tell me that um, something very, very bad involving lots of water happened. Or if she disappeared before the cruise and somehow the belief is that someone on the cruise is responsible. I don't know. If you want to know, you'll have to check it out. It is Girl Overboard by Sandra Block. And I guess that title makes me think that something very bad with lots of water did happen. We also have The Agathas. This is by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson. And Brooke is a big Kathleen Glasgow fan. Um, she wrote Girl in Pieces and You'd Be Home which are young adult contemporaries with some pretty strong mental health components. But this, as she teams up with Liz Lawson, is a mystery about a group of girls who decide that they're going to solve what might be a cold case. And they're going to use Agatha Christie books as their guide to learn how to solve mysteries. Um, I'm hoping this is gonna play out into a series. It's The Agathas and it's by Kathleen Glasgow and Liz Lawson. I'm wrapping up today with a couple of um, fantasy titles. First up, Holly Black 
is coming out with her first adult novel. This is The Book of Night. And Holly Black is best known for her middle grade and YA fantasy. Um, she wrote Tithe quite a while ago. I think um, she gained a lot of popularity with The Cruel Prince. But now she is turning her attention to adults for a grown-up dark fantasy. This is Book of Night, and it's by Holly Black. And lastly, I have An Unreliable Magic, A Hundred Names from Magic, Book Two by Rin Chapeco. And this is an author that has intrigued me for a long time. Um, she writes these really dark YA fantasies that feature all kinds of magic that you don't always hear about. Like, you're not likely to see like vampires and shifters here. Um, the magic is a lot more diverse and we see things that really feel fresh and new. So this is the second book, as I said, in an ongoing series for her. So this is An Unreliable Magic, A Hundred Names from Magic, book two by Rin Chapeco. And that is all I have for you this week. But as I said, I'm hoping that you have found at least one, if not many more, great books to keep you company. I will be back with you, of course, next week to talk about more new releases because, thankfully, in the world we live in, there are always more books. If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. <laughs>